Father, this morning we just come to you, Lord. Morning by morning, you awaken us, O Lord. Awaken our ears, quicken our spirit. For there is power to redeem, to restore in thy voice. Help us to hear the voice of God, the voice of the Holy Spirit. For we haven't gone this way before, but you have seen the end from the beginning. So I pray, Father, speak to us, each one, around the world who is listening and who will listen. We need light. You are the light. Speak to us. Surrender ourselves at your feet. We look to the blood of Jesus, the blood that cleanses, the blood that sanctifies, the blood that speaks on our behalf in the heavens. Come, Lord Jesus, speak to us again. Teach us again, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. So we've been looking, we've been looking at the kingdom of God, we're looking at, we have to come back, the big picture, never miss the big picture, everything else will fall into place. So every morning, it is a personal decision we make, doesn't matter how the day ended yesterday, today the 18th of August is a new day, his mercies are new, and we seek the kingdom of God first, and his righteousness, and the rest will fall into place. And please remember, if you look into the Word of God and you look at the detailed instructions God gives about His tabernacle, and uh, you will see His order never changes. Kingdom of God is established in order, and that order is forever. And that order never changes. And one of the things Jesus tells in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount is, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, His righteousness in everything. And the rest will fall into place. All these things shall be added. You change the order, it will be a struggle. It will be uphill struggle. And if we go nowhere with God, we may go in the world, but ultimately it will be all a waste. So we've been looking at the kingdom of God, and it advances with violence. The kingdom of God in terms of precepts. How do you live this life of righteousness? And then the kingdom of God in, in terms of action. How do you walk or make decisions by faith when it comes to action? And we saw last, uh, uh, was it Sunday or Tuesday, Thursday? We looked at uh, Aaron, Aaron, a uh, man who actually redeems himself. That's the awesomeness of God. If you failed, if you're a child of God and you have failed, God as a father does not label you as a failure. He never does. No father wants to label his child. He says, you have failed. You have failed. And that's not forever. You can come back. You can rise and end up as a success. And we saw that incredible picture of Aaron, and not Moses, Aaron, standing between the dead and the living. He's standing there between the dead and the living and stops the plague. Okay. That's what's in Numbers chapter 16 and verses 46 to 48. Here we are lifting our hands. Oh, sorry. Sorry, 
I was wondering, okay, he lifted his hands. Okay, but that was his song. So Moses said to Aaron, take a censer, put fire in it from the altar, put incense on it, and take it quickly to the congregation and make atonement for them. Wrath has gone out from the Lord, the plague has begun. Aaron took it as Moses commanded. Please remember, Moses there. Remember God had told Moses, when you go to Pharaoh, you will be like God to Pharaoh, and Aaron will be like your prophet. Okay, so whenever you see God, Moses speaking something, he is speaking on behalf of God because so we have to be very careful. We hear what God is telling us and then do it exactly like Aaron did. That's where the power lies. Hear and obey if you're willing and obedient, okay? He ran in the midst of the assembly and already plague had begun among the people. So he put it in the incense, put in the incense and made atonement for the people and he stood between the dead and the living. So the plague stopped. So if you look at verse uh, 60, uh, verse 46, you will see there is the voice of God through Moses. So you hear something and you will see there are six components over there. There is man, that is Aaron. There is a censer. There is an altar where there are the coals. Okay. And there is incense. You have five things primarily first over there. There is a man. There is a censer. There is an altar. There is the coals and there is incense. But there is a sixth thing that makes it all possible that the coals were alive. If there was no fire, people all would have died that day. It was fire, okay? It's a fire from the Lord that is coming. It's only fire that can fight fire, okay? That's what firefighters do. In Leviticus chapter 6, we saw this in verse 9. 12 and then 13, okay? Command Aaron and his son saying, this is the law of the burnt offering. Okay? There is a law of the burnt offering. What is that? The burnt offering shall be on the hearth upon the altar all night until morning. Remember, a Jewish day was from evening till morning. Was the first day. The evening and the morning was the first day. So, the animal was put there, okay, in the evening. And the whole night it had to burn. The fire of the altar shall be kept burning on it. So if you actually study the Bible, you will see there is a morning sacrifice and there is an evening sacrifice. So 24-7, okay, the sacrifice is going on. And the key to it was the fire has to be kept burning. And the fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it. It shall not be put out. And the priest shall burn wood on it every morning and lay burnt offering in order on it and he shall burn on it the fat. So if you look at it itself, it shows you a evening and the morning. Okay? And verse 13 again. If a fire shall always be burning on the altar, it shall never go out. So something which God repeats three times in these three verses. The fire shall be burning. Fire shall not go out. Fire shall not go out. Okay? So please understand. This is, this is the most important part of it all. Okay? If you look at Aaron's intervention or any of the situations over there, there is one person or more than one person. We do not see. We do not see. It was the priest or the group of priests whose duty it was to see the fire did not go out. They were the ones who kept on feeding the wood to see that the fire did not go out. Okay. 
just think about it. We have heard, okay, I'll give you an illustration which I heard from a friend of mine 20, 25, 30 years ago, or maybe less than that. Imagine that day when this plague and people have started dying and Moses commanded, run, run, run. Moses ran here and ran to the tent of the meeting. And he realized the priest who was in charge of it had forgotten. And the fire had gone out. Think about an instance like that, okay? I have told this illustration. Some of you who are old-timers may remember this. Um, but this happened in during the IPKF uh, intervention in Sri Lanka. IPKF was Indian peacekeeping force. They were sent, 50,000 soldiers were sent to Sri Lanka to fight the LTT order peace. It was a mess. Okay. And then it's, what happened was, this happened in the University of Jaffna. The University of Jaffna was taken over by the LTT soldiers. So the IPKF was uh, planning an operation that and, uh, they would create a distraction on this side. So when the soldier terrorists were on the other side, the tigers were on the other side, the IPKF soldiers would be brought down and they would come down on the helicopters and take over, attack and take over. And just time perfectly. So you know timing matters in special operations. So exactly on the time, the special operations that were supposed to create the distraction on this side created the distraction. So the soldiers were all, the LTD were all fighting on this side. But the helicopters were supposed to come on to this side. If you know helicopters in the military areas, to see the rotors don't keep moving in the wind, they put a netting over it. Okay, they put a netting over it. That day what happened was, the guys who were supposed to remove the netting for the operation were late. The pilot doesn't do that. So by the time the helicopters came on to this side and they were late. By the time this distractions effect is over, so they said around 25 or 30 of our elite soldiers were killed as they were rappelling down the helicopters because of some man's mistake, he was late. Okay, so you need to understand the reliction of duty. There is a set of priests whose job is to keep the fire going. These are spiritual truths. Okay, if there is no fire, then the one who is supposed to come and offer the incense to stop it, there is no fire. So each one understands his position in the kingdom of God. And if your job is to keep on feeding the fire in your prayer closet, unseen, like we do not know the names of any of the priests whose job was to feed the fire. But they played an important function in the kingdom of God in Israel's history. They continuously did that. You don't know their names. It doesn't, it, it, it's, it's not given the names of the priests. But you know the names of the ones who went with the censor, the one, you know their names. But their duty, their work will not function unless these guys are there. So you have to understand the spiritual part of it in the new in the new covenant. There are people whom God has called to be there silently feeding the fire. So the fire does not go out. They may not be seen now, but they will be recognized then. And great will be their recognition because this is a continuous thing they do 24-7. They, through their prayer closets, are feeding the fire on which the rest of the ministry takes place. They are not named they are not acknowledged here, but they will be acknowledged. Every, for this, for everything, there is a day 
Okay, the day of judgment is terrible only if you're looking in terms of punishment. But if you're looking in terms of reward and you've been faithful to what God has personally called you, it's exciting day. So please understand that there is this set of people whom we do not see here whose job was to keep feeding the fire. And this is all where we look unto God. My appreciation comes from God. And there is a day set for that. Okay, And as you long as you are faithful to God, and it doesn't matter if man recognizes you or not, you continue in what God has called you. If you look at the consecration of the tabernacle, okay? Because fire is important. It is fire that saved that day. And many days after that, Leviticus chapter 9 and verse 23 and 24. This is the dedication of the tabernacle in the wilderness, okay? Offerings and all were going out, but what made the difference? Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of meeting and came out and blessed the people. Then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people and fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering, the fat on the altar. When all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. Okay, Remember there is a fire before that lit by man. That does not bring this response from people. The fire of man cannot bring that response. It is only the fire of God that will change people. Okay, They were already offering, but that's different. That is different. Okay. In Second Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 1, you will see, see you remember the offering Solomon had offered uh, 10,000 rams and all that. It's all great, all good. But when Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. That was the finale. That is what changed. That is what changed. Okay. That is what changed. Okay, so please remember, we have a saying in English, you, you cannot have smoke without fire. Okay, smoke without fire, okay. Meaning, he offered incense, and that's representing of fire, of, of prayer and intercession. That stopped the judgment of God. But for that smoke to arise, the incense smoke to arise, there need to be fire. And the thing is that there are three sources of fire. There is God. There is man and there is hell. Three sources of fire. Okay? And when it comes to God, let's look at God. Hebrews 12 and verse 29 says about God. Hebrews, no? Okay? Hebrews 10, 29. Our God is a consuming fire. When it says our God is a consuming fire, it can be positive or it can be negative. Okay, it does not necessarily mean negative. It can be either way. It can, like in the two sacrifices we saw, God consumed the sacrifice. Okay, but it can be judgmental also. In Exodus chapter 10, verses 1 to 3. Not Exodus. Leviticus chapter 10. Yeah. Okay, Leviticus chapter 10. How did I get there? This is Aaron's sons. Okay, one of them would have been the next high priest. Then Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer, put fire in it, put the incense on it, offered profane fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. So fire went out from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. It's strange how it all began. 
Okay? And Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord spoke, saying, by those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy, and before all the people, I must be glorified. So Aaron held his peace. Now, if you go there in verse 2, we are not sure what they exactly did. Okay? I have a feeling uh, the issue was probably with the incense. God had made very clear how your incense should be. The ingredients of the incense, okay? They put incense. We don't know what it was, but it is said they offered profane fire. It was not acceptable to God, okay? So what happens is we have to be very, very careful because what they were offering was not accepted by God. And instead what happened, the fire of God came and consumed them. This is exactly that had happened earlier. Numbers, number 16 and verse 35, the 200, the first test was by fire. Everyone bring your senses. Let's go to number 16 and verse 35. The 250 leaders, Nathan, Abiram and Korah had gathered and a fire came out from the Lord and consumed the 250 men who were offering incense. Okay. You look at, the, look at the picture over here. On one side, a little later, one man will offer incense and stop the fire of God, the judgment of God. Here, 250 people are also offering incense and incense, so the fire of God comes and consumes them. Both are symbolically representing fire. One fire brings the mercy and the grace of God. Another fire brings the judgment of God. And both are represented at prayers. So we have to look at these Old Testament pictures and say, Lord, what does it mean to me? How does it, how, how should I be careful? God says, there are soulish and carnal prayers that can actually bring judgment upon your lives. So you have to be very, very careful. You may say your prayer is answered, but you don't realize you are being judged. You are being consumed. Look at Hosea chapter 13 and verse 11. Hosea, okay? That was the prayer of the people. Hosea 13 verse. I gave you a king in my anger. What? Anger, yes. They said, we want, and God said, answer their prayer. He said, they have rejected me. They have rejected me. Okay? And all the time when Saul was leading them, even in the beginning and all, Saul was leading them and they were having those great victories and all, where God also was involved in it. You know, sometimes you can do a lot of things in anger. Right? Which can bring forth, like this is, let us, okay. Okay, I'll leave Apukuti alone. Okay, Apu is sitting away. Let's say Apu and Raj fought in the morning. They don't fight because I've never heard any sound from their house all this years. Okay, maybe they're very careful. Imagine, okay? Raj shouted at Apu and Apu is angry. I don't know whether it's possible. Apu is angry, okay? So suddenly you will realize Apu is making breakfast for Raj, but in anger. Tang, 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 tang. All kind of things happening over there. But the breakfast is tasty. <laughs> Breakfast is tasty. Right? But was it made with a spirit of peace and love and kindness? Made in a peace of spirit of anger. That's what God is saying. I gave you a king in my anger and took him away in my wrath. Okay? Yet it was an answer to people's prayer. That is why we have to be very, very careful. Jesus said, teach us to pray. He said, this is how you need to pray. Thy name, thy kingdom, thy will. Thy will. It's always good. Good, like even Jesus 
final prayer before being arrested is not my will, but thy will be done. Thy will be done. It's always safe. You can ask anything you want. But when you ask, also say, Lord, don't answer me in your anger. Don't answer me in your anger, Lord. Please don't answer me in your anger. You know, sometimes parents do with their children. They keep on asking, okay, take it. And then five minutes later, the fellow comes back. I fell down. I say, well, I told you. I told you. Okay, so God is talking about that. Thy will be done. Okay. So, you will see the difference. The fire of man and the fire of God. Okay. It can either be, it can be an act of mercy and grace you receive over there. Or it can be an act of judgment. So, you have to realize the Bible teaches us about the Holy Spirit. It teaches us about the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is introduced because he is the most what enigmatic, you know, controversial, man made him controversial. He's not controversial at all. Okay. He's just like the three. There are three, one and one in three. Okay. They are triune God. But he's the most uh, confusing. So, but he's the most important in terms of our daily life. Okay, we are not saying one is more important than the other. They are equally important. But in our day-to-day life, look at it, okay? Uh, we all got up and let some of us may have had coffee. Some of us may have had breakfast. We did many things. But all those things were possible or needed only because we opened our eyes and found we were breathing. We are not breathing. None of these things have any meaning. Okay, if you are dead... You are not going to pray. You are not going to read your word. You are not going to, so it is the Holy Spirit which starts it all off. Okay, so understand. And because the Holy Spirit is so important and yet so difficult to understand for our finite minds, God uses so many symbols to introduce Him to us. So His rain, His dew, His water, His wind, His gentle whisper, breeze, you no know, wine, oil. All these different, different pictures. And we have to experience him in all these different ways. We have to experience him in all these different ways. And he's fire. The Holy Spirit is fire. The importance of the Holy Spirit in a man's personal life, day-to-day life, is when the Bible is introduced to us. God is introduced to us in terms of a book through Moses in Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. I explained this on Sunday in the evening service. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and the darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. This is how the Bible begins, emphatically. This is what, I mean, God doesn't have to give explanations, and no, this is why I am, who I am, nothing. He says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But over there, the word God in Hebrew is Elohim. Now, singular, when it is used, it is Eloha. Plural is Elohim. I am in Hebrew. Okay, that's why you have Cherub and Cherubim. When you have Cherubim, it's plural. When you have Seraph and Seraphim, it is plural, singular and plural. So it is talking about in the beginning, God the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit created the heavens together. It is there. It's a triune activity. The three triune God is creating everything. One is not doing it without the other. They're always working it together. So in the first words, we are introduced the triune God. 
But the first person to be introduced alone is the Holy Spirit. In verse 2. Okay. Verse 2. The first person to be introduced in the narrative alone is the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Okay. The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And we have to understand the importance of it. That's how it works. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is represented in the Bible as fire. Okay, In Luke chapter 3, because that's where it all, our zeal for this fire comes from there. Chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, John the Baptist, who was baptizing people in water, said this. The crowds with John answered and say, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but the one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to lose. You keep it there first. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Okay. So when it is talking about the Holy Spirit and fire, why did he make a distinction over there? With the Holy Spirit, there are so many functions of the Holy Spirit as separate from the function of the Holy Spirit as fire. So there is something, an importance attached to this particular function of the Holy Spirit here. The Holy Spirit is rain. Everybody wants rain. He's dupe. He's not all that is a comforter. He's the blessings. All those things are there. The oil, the unity, the anointing, the power, the wind, the breeze, the wisp, all that. But all that is included in with the Holy Spirit and fire. And verse 17 will tell you that the importance. His winnowing fan is in his hand. He will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor, gather the wheat into his barn, but the shaft he will burn with unquenchable fire. Okay? Now, you have to look at it. At this, at the, at I wish I had brought it here. Sam, you would have to work on the camera then. If you look at a single seed of wheat or rice or whatever, you look at it, you will see that seed of rice is covered with chaff. Okay? That's all of us. All of us. We inside, when the word of God came, it's covered with flesh. From the day we are born again till the day we die, God is trying to get rid of the shaft so that we will ultimately end up truly as a spiritual man or a spiritual woman. And that's what he is doing that, okay? He will thoroughly clean. Don't, don't look at it as a corporate picture. Take it individually. I am a single piece of weed, seed, okay? This thing. And one day he will remove that shaft and he will burn with unquenchable. It will be destroyed forever. It will never come back into my life. And that is what he will do at a personal level. That's what he wants to do. But remember, this has to be voluntary. One thing about the Holy Spirit is that he never, never forces anything. That's why Romans chapter 12, verse 1. The new covenant. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Okay, so he's saying, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. If you have to offer a living sacrifice, then there has to be an altar and there has to be fire. Otherwise, there is no sacrifice. So if it is going to be a living sacrifice, this is the picture of the old covenant. The fire should not go out evening and morning, evening, 24-12 hour cycles. This is going on. So there is a morning sacrifice and there is an evening sacrifice. 
this is continuously going on. So the Bible says, offer yourself as a living sacrifice. The question is, how can I offer myself as a living sacrifice if there is no fire? I can do everything what I want, but it's still irrelevant without the fire. Without the fire, there is no sacrifice. There is no sacrifice. So remember, the issue is that we can do everything that we do. Everything perfect. Like Elijah. Heard correctly, did perfectly, but you cannot light the fire. The fire has to come from above. Unless the fire comes from above, everything. So the whole issue is with the Holy Spirit, with the fire. So you will see in Genesis chapter, sorry, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it is talking about our flesh. It's talking about our flesh, our bodies in vision of the flesh. Constantly offering it over to be burnt. Okay, constantly offering it to be, to be burned as an act of faith. Genesis, sorry, Romans chapter 12 verse 2 is talking about the mind. <coughs> about the mind. Do not be conformed to this world, but the transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind has to be renewed. You see, in the first judgment that took place, Adam and Eve were cast out of the Garden of Eden. And in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 34, when the Holy Spirit is presented again, okay, cherubim are there, but cherubim in itself, they don't have power. The power has to come from God. No angel has power of its own. They are all created beings. So in 34, you have this judgment, Genesis 3, 34. <coughs> three, oh, sorry, 3, 24. He drew out the man and he placed cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden. Okay, there's cherubim that is kept over there, east, so that. But a flaming sword in the middle of the garden is the tree of life. Okay, they are driven out from the east. A flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. That is a flaming sword. That is the Holy Spirit. Okay, the Holy Spirit guarding the way to the tree of life. And the tree of life symbolically represents Jesus Christ. He said, I am the life. I have come to give you life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the Holy Spirit zealously guards the way to Jesus. He says, you cannot access my son unless you go through me. You go through me. The Holy Spirit guards. He is the fire that guards. And this is what we, have, we say, the sword of the Spirit. It's a fiery sword turning whichever way you go. You cannot avoid that. You have to go through approach. So Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 and 13 will say, in practical terms, how it works. The word of the Lord is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit. The joints and the marrows is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked, open to the eyes of him to whom which we must give account. That's how the word of God works. And that is why people escape the word. One of the reasons people don't want to listen to the word and don't want tough words is because it burns. It reveals you. Nobody may know, but you know. You know. Because it exposes even the thoughts and the intents of your heart is exposed. Totally exposed. And this is that flaming sword. Do you have access to the tree of life? Yes. God says, if you can come through the sword, you can have life. You should allow the sword to do its work. It will cut you, it will open you, it will expose you, remove the shaft off, and you can go through. Every day you can go through. And each time you go through, what you receive is his life. Your life is dying. 
what is being burnt out is your life. What you are receiving is your, his life. But the problem is, if you love your life, okay, if you love your life, then you will not go further. You will not approach. You will stay back. I'm okay. I'm fine with the blessings. I don't want that life. I don't want that life. Okay. Then what happens is actually what you receive becomes judgment. He gave a king in his anger. You are the king. Who is that king? You are the king. Flesh is king. Who is Saul? The king you asked from God. Who is that flesh? Who is the king God has for you? David. And you look at it. David is not a very popular king like Saul or uh, Solomon or the other. He's not a very popular. People, I mean, how would the, the people go against him and anoint his son as the king and accept him? With a few people alone following him. A few thousands. That's all. In a nation of hundreds and thousands. How did they quickly? Because, see, this is the fleshly, fleshly mind. The fleshly mind wants the king like Saul. What is Saul's main quality? His head and shoulders above every. And what is Absalom's main quality? Oh, he's spotless. He looks so good to them. That is flesh. So the flesh will supplant spirit that is David, either with Saul or with Absalom. Flesh is king. That's why God is saying, in my anger, I gave you a king. So ask your questions. I ask this question personally. How do you apply these spiritual truths into your life? Is God answering the cry of my flesh? Then you are king. And he says, I will give you a king in my anger. And I will take it away in your wrath. And at the end of your life, when you finish, you realize everything was burned up. You just came through with your salvation alone. All the answers of your prayer was the answers of your flesh. And at the end of the day, you have nothing. It's like Alexander saying, when I, my, when my buyer is taken, my corpse is taken, keep my hands out. Let the people know I'm going with nothing. Yet we call him Alexander the Great. We should be called Alexander the Miserable. That's how he died. How he died. You know? Was his, I mean, Demonically speaking, was his flesh answered? Yes. By 33, he cried. Have no more nations to conquer. Though they were, he did not know. <laughs> you know. So that's what the Bible is talking about. We need to ask these serious questions. Serious questions. Our body, that's our flesh, our mind. Can we really, really expose our mind to the word of God? Like we were a few weeks, we dealt with different kinds of ideas. Can these ideas stand the truth of God? In itself, isolate the idea from Christ as king. They look good. All these ideas. Which idea doesn't look good? Who doesn't want to fight for human rights? Ultimately, creation will realize one day you have as much right as the creator gives you. That's all. Isolate it from Christ the king. Human rights. Feminist rights. Gay rights, transgender rights, socialism, communism, Marxism, nationalism, patriotism, all that looks good. Isolated from Christ. When Christ comes in, Christ comes in, you will realize none of these things really matter. None of these things matter. The only thing that matters is what am I going to take it into eternity? What am I going to take it into eternity? So that's what is coming over there. The Hebrews, Romans chapter 12, 1 is got, got to do with the flesh. Romans chapter 12, 2 is got to do with the mind. And it's both the fire that works. The very simple word of God won't work. It has to be the sword of the spirit. 
the sword of the spirit that cuts through. Okay, the devil only will recognize the sword of the spirit. He will not recognize the sword. Recognize the sword. It is the sword of the spirit that came out of Jesus' mouth that caused him to run. Three questions, three answers. Okay, so please understand this. Always ask whenever you pray. Sometimes if you're not sure, it's simply good to pray the Lord's Prayer alone and leave it at that. It covers every avenue. Hmm? Covers every avenue. Okay, so you will see the Holy Spirit when he is introduced in Genesis chapter 3, we saw 24, he is introduced as fire and he protects the way to life. Yet, Jesus has come to give us life and life in abundance and we have access to it only through the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit that is the double-edged sword or the flaming sword is represented as truth. I am the way, the truth and the life. You have to go through that. You have to go. But people don't want that life. It's a different life the world offers. So they are trying to use God to live this life. And God says, okay, I'll give you a king in my hand. You are the king. You are Saul. <coughs> you are Saul. Are you seated on a throne? Of course. Where is my famous rod? <laughs> are you seated on the throne? King Saul is seated on the throne. Yes. How? With a spear in his hand. And who does he want to kill first? David the actual king, the spirit man. What is flesh trying to do? Is trying to kill the spirit. Do you have an anointing? Yes, from God. What is the anointing? Not to kill the flesh, but to kill the spirit. And you're sitting on the throne. That is all the picture you see in Samuel. That's how he's sitting. And a lot of people, Christians, sit like that, enthroned. It's not Christ who's enthroned in them. They are enthroned in Christ. <laughs> because they want the blessings of God. They want the name. They all pray in the name of God. They want the blessings of God. They want peace. They want security. They want crowns when they reach heaven. Everything they want. But they are king. And they are sitting there in their anger, in their jealousy, in their bitterness and all duplicity. They are sitting on the throne. That is, that is the King Saul sitting on the throne. And God is exposing these things through the ministry of the world one on one. Okay, so fire is the one that decides. So we have to talk, think about it. He shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Fire is the one that makes the distinction. Without fire, you will not know. So we saw on Genesis chapter 4, we don't have to go there. When the first two young people, Cain and Abel, comes with their offerings. How do you know God accepted Abel's? It's fire. It's fire. Two people are offering. Two altars are there. Two sacrifices are placed over there. God looked with Abel with favor and received. How do you know? Because fire came down and took it. You will see consistently. It does. It's not written there, but we know it happened. Why? Because Cain is upset. How does he know? Abel's has been received. How do you? How, how will you know? <laughs> well, people will say, "I have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit." How do you know? Every time in the book of Acts when the baptism of the Holy Spirit took place, there was an outward sign which was a proof something had taken place inward. So in the same way, there is an altar here, there is an altar here. This is God by faith. Abel brought fat and blood. And this man is brought the produce of his land. Fire must have fallen on this. Definitely. And that's how we know this was taken and that's lying over there. But the difference is there. Scripture says God looked at Cain 
and his offering. God looked at Abel and his offering and received. That means what? Before God's fire fell upon his offering, the Holy Spirit fire had fallen on his heart. That's why God received his offering. There was something that the Holy Spirit was doing in Abel's heart, which he was not able to do in Cain's heart. That's why outwardly the offering also became different. God could not work faith in Cain. So please remember these pictures are there. So when we are talking about the Holy Spirit and his different manifestations, personally, at a personal level for a believer, the most important manifestation of the Holy Spirit is the manifestation as fire. Consuming fire, either he consumes your flesh and your worldly thinking, all kind of carnal humanistic thinkings where man is at the center. Humanism, everything is an offshoot of humanism. Okay, Every other ism is an offshoot of humanism where man is at the center. Okay, In the kingdom, Christ is at the center. Feminism, you look at any ism, man is at the center. So humanism is the mother of all these other isms. So you have to be very, very careful. You have to destroy and demolish. And you will always, you know, you have to be very, very careful. Because outwardly it may look the same. You may be zealous for a cause which looks godly. But the reason could be you. Could be you. Or you could be zealous for a cause and the reason is God. It's not out. That is why the one. That's why Jesus says you have to deny yourself. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of the testimony. They did not love their lives. That is the key. The key is that when you are zealous for a cause, success or defeat does not matter. The cause matters. When it is yourself, only success matters. Defeat does not. You will not accept defeat. That is why I told you about that pastor when he was asked to go lay hands upon the sick. And pray, first guy he prayed, died, second guy he prayed, third guy he died, and he was upset. He went back to God and said, well, what's happening? So God asked him a question. If the first guy you had prayed had lived, who does the glory go to? He said, to you. So when he died, who did the shame go to? What's your part in it? He said, before I heal, I had to teach you a lesson that this is not about you, this is about me. Glory or shame is mine. You are just a vessel. So when we can be zealous for a cause, but it could be self. 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 Cause. Okay. And that is where all the likes come. No, Twitter, everything, all these likes. What if there are no likes? Will you stop preaching? Imagine you preached. And you have 2,000 thumbs down and no up. Are you upset? Are you upset? That's the key. The cause can be absolutely, you're preaching the word of God. There's nothing wrong with your preaching. Everything is right. But you're so upset because everybody did a thumbs down. And God sometimes allows it to reveal your heart. Reveal your heart. Reveal your heart. So we have to get these pictures very, very, very clear because that is why for a season it is fine, Okay. When it, you should have it when your children are small, when they do little, little things. We hug them and say, you're the best baby in the world. What would daddy do without you? All that, okay? Are you going to say that all your life? Imagine your son is 18 or 20 years old. He folds his bed and is waiting for a compliment. (sighs) 
And there are so many grown-up sons and daughters like that in the kingdom of God. They will not do anything if they don't get consistently compliments. And if you do not, yet what they do is good, but it is self. It is not Christ. Self is king. Okay, Self is king. And God will, if you surrender on a day-to-day basis, he will slowly burn it all off. All burn it off. So when the Holy Spirit comes, it's a consuming fire. He will consume Aaron's offering and stop the plague. And the same fire will kill Aaron's sons. The fire was the same. Think about it. This is Aaron. The fire is the same. That fire stops the plague. And on the other side, that same fire comes from God and destroys Aaron's sons. Okay. When Sodom and Gomorrah was judged in Genesis 19 and verse 37, it was the Holy Spirit who burned them down. Just not Jesus. Jesus was there. 1937. Oh, not 1918. 18, yeah. 1837. What am I getting my numbers? Numbers is Pastor Vijay's forte, but I at least did basic math. Genesis 18. And sorry, it is twenty-four, not twenty thirty. Nineteen twenty-four. Got it? The Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah. From where? From the Lord out of the heaven. It's the Lord on the earth, that is Jesus. Walked away from Abraham. He still hasn't gone up. The two angels are there bringing them out. And then the Lord on the earth called on fire from the Lord in the heavens. That's the Holy Spirit. It's a baptism of fire. He baptized two cities in fire. Nothing survived till today. It's gone. Disappeared. So please understand the importance of this. The Holy Spirit experiencing the Holy Spirit has fire. Israel's deliverance, we saw that in the Hindi service. Israel's deliverance. Israel were captive for 450 years approximately in Egypt. Their deliverance began only when Moses heard the voice out of fire. That's when deliverance began. Most people's deliverance will begin only that way. When you are caught in your trial and your troubles because of your sin or disobedience or rebellion or whatever, when you hear in the midst of it, your deliverance begins. Otherwise it will not begin. Okay. Miserable David has to hear, you are that man. He's ready. God could have spoken to him any time before that. He's not ready yet. It's not ready yet. The fire is not hot enough for him to hear that voice to obey. It's not ready to obey. So it is the burning bush. It's a bush that is burning in the desert. Many times desert trees, everything catches fire. But this is different because the bush is burning, but it is not being consumed. Our God is a consuming fire. So in a believer's life, he only wants to consume the shaft and not the person. He wants to consume the flesh, burn up the flesh. So he saw Moses over there. And Moses saw the fire. And you will see that fire will pass on to Moses. Pass on to Moses. And he will not 
he will remain on fire till the end. That is a picture of him going up the mountain saying he was 120 years old and he was still as strong and his eyes because that is how the fire kept him going. It is not written about all the others who also died like that, but it is not written about them, because this one man was different. He had a fire upon him, and that never consumed him. It consumed his flesh, but he was on fire for God till the end. And so we have to understand, Israel, when they came out of Egypt, they were led by the fire, cloud by day, and fire by night. Exodus 13, verse 21 and 22. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so as to go by day and night. Okay, so God says even in your good times or your bad times, my spirit will lead you. Will lead you. Okay, he led them by fire. When the law was given, it was given through the fire. Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 36. That's what it talks about. Purified seven times over from the midst of the fire. Deuteronomy 4 and verse 36. Scripture says there, yes. Out of the heavens he let you hear his voice that he might instruct you. On earth he showed you his great fire and you heard his words out of the midst of the fire. That's how it should be. Then only clarity will come. You cannot hear the word of God with carnal ears and a carnal mind. It will always reprogram it, reboot it to suit your flesh. Because you remember you have factory settings. That's how we are born, which is called carnal. Okay? Factory settings. Okay? Okay. And then, when you are born again, it's a different thing. Okay, but the factory settings are always there. So whenever you are hearing the word, it is always you take it in your carnal mind and apply with somebody else and never upon you. <laughs> never upon you. <laughs> and even when you hear a powerful word, the thought in your mind, I wish that one was listening. <laughs> But the God of, word of God is only for me. It's only, even when I'm speaking, it's only for me. And after that, I leave it to the Spirit of God because I can't impress upon you what I am thinking. You have to release it in the hands of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the only one who is able to touch people. Okay? And burn. Okay. So, when God gave the law, when He spoke to them, He spoke His words out of the midst of the fire. These are all symbolically put over there is that unless the fire works, you will not hear. You will not really get to know what God is trying to trying to tell us. When Israel had gone so completely into idolatry to bring them back, Elijah, God used his servant Elijah to bring them back. It was fire that brought them back. Right? And then even after that, they are on the last stages. They are on the ventilator. Israel is on the ventilator. Soon Nebuchadnezzar will come and take them all. Okay, he's on the ventilator. And if one of the final prophets during those days is Jeremiah. And nobody wants to preach the message that is given to Jeremiah. But that is the only true message. Only true message. You know what he's telling? Don't fight Babylon. Judgment is set. Don't fight Babylon. If you fight Babylon, you will die. But if you surrender, he will take you as slaves. And from there, God will redeem and bring you back. It's over. 
God gave you victory over many, many nations all these years, but that is over. It's not going to happen again. 500 years, 490 years of your history of victories are over. Judgment has been set. Now don't fight me. Don't fight me. And nobody will listen to it. But he still has to preach that message. Yes, and he says, you know why? Because this fire shut in the bones. And you need to realize in this, and there are hundreds of others still prophesying victory and victory and victory and victory. In the last days when earth, like Israel's history, the, the, it's spiraling down. The world is spiraling down. The church will only have one message. Judgment is set. Prepare to meet your maker. Prepare to meet your maker. Set already. It's gone. Babylon is gone. It's just a question of time. So stop all this hangering about, no? Hangering about. Like, look at them. Earlier they had classroom classes. Now it is online classes. Seven in the morning, Sunday, six in the morning, eight in the morning. What nonsense. And what are people all doing? People are all following that still. Following that. We don't realize nothing is going to change man's mindset. We are talking about Christians. Mindset. Until the fire of the Holy Spirit comes. Then we will turn around and realize, you know what? It's the knowledge of God that is primary, not education. Education without the knowledge of God will only make criminals out of us. Trained, educated criminals, that's all. Destined for hell or destined to lose all our rewards. We are not getting our priorities right yet. Not even our own children. I'm talking about our children who are on Zoom. They're not getting it. They're not making a conscious decision like Daniel by saying, okay, today is Sunday. So what is it? It's Zoom classes. I am kept keeping this day aside for God. I am going to be ready at that time. I'll worship. I'll be ready. I'll be seated. Like I would come on a regular Sunday to church. I will be there waiting at 9 o'clock and not Zoom classes. Not Zoom classes. Okay. So please remember, every day we are making choices and choices are being made according to the fire or the lack of fire. So you will see Jeremiah is not able to change his message because there is a fire. And then when the old covenant ends in Malachi, God will say, this fire which you burned all these days on the altar and all this Africa, it will come inside. A day is going to come when the three, two and three, you know. Malachi 3, 2 and 3. It is suddenly going to come. It will come. Behold, I will. I sent my messenger. He will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. And he suddenly came on the day of Pentecost. Suddenly the fire that was outside all these years in Israel's history came inside. And the church changed. It changed. The church was never the same. Like I said, in the history of Israel, when the first fire was lit by God and the sacrifices continued, they said they carried that fire without letting it go out for a thousand years. That fire never went out. But in the new content, it went out. Captivity, temple disappeared, ark disappeared, fire also disappeared. But what got lit in man 2,000 years ago is still being continued. 
the same fire has been passed. Maybe a small group of people, but generation to generation to generation, it is passing on. And every revival that takes place is a rekindling of that same fire. Somebody has kept it and is passing it on. So you will see the picture over here. So the church also began with the Holy Spirit, mighty wind, and fire, tongues of fire. Okay, So you will see symbolically the work of the Holy Spirit is being told to us how he will do. Now God is a consuming fire on a believer. He consumes his dross. Or in the unbeliever, he will destroy him completely. The end of this world, Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise. The elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. And then Peter will say, if you really believe this, what should you be? What, kind of, what manner of people will you be? Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, meaning think about it, think about all these things. No? No? Somebody told me, pastor used to say, you know, those days, what was in orbit mall? Is that big one? Yeah, yeah, that one. No, I was forced to go there a couple of times. I never go willingly to these places. I used to say, no, remember all these places will be haunt of devils, empty spaces one day because it is written. You're wasting your time going to these places, walking length and breadth, window shopping and messing your mind up, you know. And somebody said, Pastor, it's already true. All these places are empty. Before the fire came, COVID came. COVID is just a sign of what is coming. Everything is going to be dissolved. What are you hangering after? Princeton won't be there. Harvard won't be there. Oxford won't be there. Cambridge won't be there. MIT won't be there. All this will go. The world and its desires are passing away. But the man who does the will of God, and he have to tell that to our children. Seek the will of God. You don't want to be judged where self is king. We have to get that. It is not easy, but once you get it, you are free. Once you get it, it is free. This is the end of this world. And then there is this end of this age completely. 7,000 years later, the end of all creation before the new creation begins is Revelation 20 and verse 15. And then 21 begins the new creation. I saw a new heavens and a new earth. Revelation 20 and verse 15. That's also by fire. And anyone not found in, written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So the new creation will be protected from the ungodly and the wicked and the demonic by fire. The imprisoned in fire. This is the consuming fire of God on the judgment basis. Everything. Lake of fire. I don't know how in eternity we will see. Maybe somewhere in the distant universe we will see this ball of fire burning. And will, everybody will know that is judgment. Eternal judgment which burns forever and ever and ever. So you need to realize Holy Spirit is revealed to us as fire. And it is good fire for the believer if he constantly asks and says, Lord, clean it, Lord. And he will put you through trials. Fiery trials. Consider it great joy, brethren, when you go through these trials. Fiery trials to purify us. Okay. Now, like I said, there are three fires. There is fire from above, that is God. Then there is fire from man, okay, the human soul, fire from man. And then James 3, 6 says, there is fire from hell. So there are three sources of fire. 
my brethren, let not many of you become three, six, six, not eleven, three, six, yeah. The tongue is the fire, a world of iniquity. We talk about iniquity. The tongue is the world of iniquity. The globe. If you put your tongue over there, there's a globe that is going around the world of iniquity. A tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body. Can you imagine it? Defile the whole. I still remember when we were all young. No, those days it was uh, uh, nice. This doctor, so they were LMDs. No, whatever the LMDs or medical, whatever they were called. You know, uh, they, they never take your temperature or something. They said stick your tongue out. <laughs> they looked at their tongue and they would tell you what your disease was. Okay, and this is the spiritual truth. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire by hell. So the tongue of man, which will define your future, everything, life, trajectory, is either set on fire by the fire of God or the fire of the devil. One or other. So the Jeremiah's, Elijah's, they were set on fire by God. And the other 450 of Baal and Baphomet were set on fire by hell. And there is many, many fiery pre-instances. Baphomet's speech is taking place. Now DNC convention has begun. Many fiery speeches are taking place over there. People who will say that, I love this nation with all my heart. And then say that the White House was built by slaves. Okay, they'll speak fork tongue. That is the fork tongue. Fork tongue. They will speak from both sides. Be careful, okay? Fork tongue, they will say. So be very, very careful which fire it is. But God has said something in Leviticus. This fire shall not go out. Okay? This fire shall not go out. So you need to realize it was the job of the, if you go to Leviticus chapter 6, you know, Verse, uh, chapter 6, verse uh, 12 and 13, if I'm right. The fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it. It shall not be put out. And the priest shall burn wood on it every morning. It was the job of the priest to keep the fire going in the old days. Okay, because remember, fire was made the difference between life and death. In the new covenant, it is the job of God's royal priesthood to keep the fire going. Now, when God is talking about fire in the new covenant, okay, let me explain. We know it very well, okay? Uh, okay, you know, fire is always put in terms of relationships. And we'll say the fire has fizzled out. Will you drink Coke, which has been kept open? And you shouldn't drink Coke. I'm saying in case you drink, Coke will make you choke, okay, in the long run. Will you drink it if it's kept open? There's no fizz in it. Right? You can always see relationships in which the fire has gone. When we were in college days, you know, we had this slang we used to say about an ex-girlfriend. We used to say that's an old, old flame that flickered out. <laughs> you see, everybody knows relationships are always measured in terms of flame, of fire. There's no fire. It's gone. So when God is talking about fire, He's also talking to us in terms of relationship. Where is your fire? Where is your fire? And the entire new covenant hangs upon two laws. Love God with all your heart, 
all your might, all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. In both of this, there is fire. There is fire. And the important fire is fire number one. Love God with all your heart. All your mind. Where is your fire? And the question to ask is, first, is there fire? Two, how to keep the fire going? Because one of the first things to go out in a relationship is the fire. A relationship is still be outwardly managing very well. Revelation chapter 2, verse 2 and 3. 2, verse 2 onwards, yeah. I know your works, your labor, your patience, that you cannot bear those who are evil. You have tested those who say they are apostles and are not evil. Meaning, if you look at their works, they are perfect. It's a fantastic church. Everything is in order in their church. Every department is functioning properly. But the problem is this, verse 3. You have seen it. The problem is, verse 4. You have preserved, have patience, have labored for my name's sake, have not even become weary. Verse 3. Nevertheless, I have this against you. There is no fire. You have lost your first love. That first love is that fire. That's gone. It's fizzled out. So God says, one of the fundamental things God says is, one of the things you need to realize. God is not looking for work first. God is not looking for work first. God is looking for passion first. Passion first. If you were to his work, he's got all his angels who will do everything perfectly without making a single error unlike us these angels when they are given a commission they will do it will they will not even make a single mistake remember that thing the year the month the day the hour they will not make a single error when angels but they're perfect workers because they're spiritual beings but god is not but they don't have the passion which we can give them you can give god god created us in his image he created us for relationship to which angel did God say, come, sit beside me? But he tells the least of his children, if you overcome, you can sit beside me. He did not create angels for a relationship. He created angels to serve him. But he created man for a relationship. That's the difference between man and angels. That's why though we are created a little below angels today, we will be above angels one day because of what? Not because of works, not because of talent, because that's how it happens in the world. If you promote somebody, it's because hardworking, talented, skilled, not in the kingdom of God. It's because of relationship. Because if it is works, the angels will be above us. Because they are fantastic. But if it's relationship, it is man. So God did not create us for work first. He created man for out of the relationship should work. That's why he talks about in the entire house of, household of God, Moses was the most faithful as a servant. But Jesus has more honor than Moses. Why? Because he was faithful as a son. As a son. So that's what God is talking about. And this is where it all goes wrong. It all goes wrong. And marriages fall apart. You know, marriages fall apart not because of work, because of fire. When there is works without fire, the wife is just a glorified maid, an excellent maid. Cooks better, cooks well, does everything in the house, everything is taken care of. You know, maids can do that well. Once upon a time, I had a mate like that called Punima. Boy, she was good. <laughs> she was good. She's like I never, ever in my life had a servant girl like that. She was good, fantastic. Came from the Northeast. 
but oh boy, she could cook everything according to my taste buds. Before you woke up, everything was done in the house morning. You won't even hear the iron bucket touching the floor when she's swabbing. Because he's so careful. Boss is sleeping. I won't wake him up. Everything is done. Only my room is left. And as soon as I finish, come out. That is also done. Believer girl. Cooks fantastically. Every learned. The child who eats boiled food learned all the malu stuff. The clothes are washed, ironed, and kept. Kids, everything is done. Hardly talks. When everything is over, she's sitting in the afternoon reading a Bible. That's a maid. That's a maid. Some men only wants maids. He wants maids. Marriages are not built on work. Marriages are built on passion, on love. The fire is gone. All relationships. Okay. Your companies don't expect but some companies will say that's a very passionate worker. They see that passion in your work and know he's not working for his salary. He's not working for his salary. Something more than that. He loves his work. It's a passionate. And you can be that. Whatever profession you care, there can a passion come and immediately that will keep you separate. Separate from the others. They will know this guy, this woman has a passion for his work. So when we are talking about fire, please remember it is talking about passion. Then the Holy Spirit brings a passion for God. That was Jesus. He set his face like a flint towards Jericho. That is to the cross. Yet when you comes to beginning, when he comes to the temple, he says, "Zeal for this father's house consumed him." That's fire, passion. That is passion. That is passion. And when relationships, you have to look at your relationship with God first, because out of it should come everything. And God says, "You know what? Most people are like Laodicea. No fist at all." No fire at all in the relationship with God. No, that's why God loved David. David was a very passionate man. Even in his repentance, he was passionate. See, God is not looking at your fall. Everybody falls. Some people less, some people more. He's not looking at how less you fall or how more you fall. He says, "How passionate are you in your repentance?" David was so passionate about God, so he brings that fire into his repentance too. And God says, "You know what? This man." Is after my own heart. He's not says I am after his heart, because he is ha- after everybody's heart. But few people are after God's heart. He says that's my man. David is my man. And you know what? For all the kings of Israel, one man will be worthy to be called. My son's throne will be named after him, because he was a man after my own heart. So if you look at all these people, different people from Abel onwards, all the saints down all. Why is David different? <laughs> I mean, you see, all the other greats are less sinners. Daniel and Jeremiah and all. Why is David so different from all? It is his passion for God. That puts him as a class apart from all the others. A class apart. Not in terms of a personal holiness in which he lived. He restored all that. But it is his passion for God. Because God is looking for that. God is a good. Because that is the sum total of ultimately your relationship. Because you look at Revelation. This is a fantastic church. Fantastic church. And you think about an employee. Think about an employer and employee. Which employer will tell his employee after that what he says in verse 5? Which employer will say? Remember therefore from where you have fallen. 
Repent and do the first works or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. What is this thing? I'll take the fire off. I'll take my light away from you. Think about it. Who will tell that? This guy comes to work on time. He does everything perfectly. There is no pending work. Everything is going on well and the employer says, I don't see any passion. You for me. So I want to either you come back with that passion which you had in the beginning. Sir, what's wrong with my work? Is there anything pending? No. Is your company prosperous? Yes. Is everything done according to the rules? Yes. You'll say that's the kind of employee you want. Not God. God says, you know what? I'll remove myself from your life, your church. I'm not looking for workers. I'm looking for sons and daughters. The sons and daughters are defined by relationship. Slaves are defined by work. Slaves are defined by work. Sons and daughters are defined by relationship and out of that relationship comes their work. And that's what God is talking about. And the thing is that we are so focused on work, we forget relationship. And what happens? Our relationship with God goes first and then our relationship with one another. Xenophobic. Pastor Vijay used a very literary term yesterday, so I was sitting up, okay. okay he's, he's also being bitten by the literary bug. Earlier it was a robotic bug. Now the literary bug is biting him, okay. okay xenophobic, he used, no? But, no, no, why do we? Because the fire isn't there. And that's what God is talking about, you know. So the question is, Lord, what do I do? The first question is, before you even get into is John chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. First, you need to ask, do I have at least a spark inside? Jesus answered, most assuredly I say to you, unless this one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Okay, That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that is which is born of spirit is spirit. So, It does not matter how great you are, how wonderful you are, how righteous you are. You have no fire inside from God unless you are born of the Spirit. When the Spirit comes, He comes with everything, including that spark. Okay? Including that spark. He comes. So the first thing is be sure you are born again. Because sometimes you are so religious for 50 years in the church, but there is no fire, means you are just a religious Christian. You have never been born again. Born again. It's an important thing. Born again is an experience when the Spirit of God comes to you. So that even when you go to the world and try to enjoy, you are still miserable because that is one fire outside and there is another fire inside. They are contrary to each other. But if you are not born again, you are just a religious person, you can go out. It doesn't bother you much. And you can go back to church as if nothing happened. Okay, so please remember, first be sure you have that fire, that spark there, spark there. Okay, and when the Holy Spirit comes in you, he comes with the entire fullness of the Holy Spirit, he comes in seed form. Okay, in seed form, like you are born again by the seed of truth, by the word of God, seed form. The entire Jesus Christ is in you in seed form. If you allow it under the right condition to allow it to mature and fully grown, you can reach the image of Christ Jesus. It's there. So when the Holy Spirit comes, it also comes in its fullness, like the seed has the complete tree in it. Okay, so whatever you want to use the symbols of the Holy Spirit as oil, wind, dew, rain, everything and fire. Okay, 
So how do you keep the fire going? If you have the fire, how do you keep going? If you understand, now we'll get into Pastor Vijay's field, physics. Okay. You need three things. One is fuel. Second, you need oxygen. Third, you need ignition. Three things. You have fuel, you have oxygen, and you have a spark. That's why our vehicles have what is called a spark plug. spark plug. Not like the lady who went to this garage and kept on saying, my car, that part has gone missing. Please give me. Uh, they said, what part? He said, it's in that engine. It is 710, 710. They are all said, madam, there is no 710, madam. 710, 710, 710. She said, no, it is 710. The part is numbered as 710. They said, okay. Then they took her out and said, madam, show. It was oil. She read it the backward. <laughs> Oh, madam, oil cap. <laughs> okay. Okay. You need these three things. You need these three things. Okay. You need these three things. Otherwise, okay. But remember, the most important thing in all these things is fire. It's fire. It's fire. I'll show you the difference. Turn with me to Leviticus chapter 1, verse 7 and 8. The sons of Aaron, the priest, shall put the fire on the altar, lay the wood in order on the fire. And the priest, Aaron's son, shall lay the parts, the head, the fat, on the order, on the wood that is on the fire, upon the altar. So look at the format in the Levitical format God had ordained. There's an altar made. And there is fire. And there is wood. And then there is the animal. That's the order. Okay? But do you know what happened when God had to restore Israel in Elijah's? There was no fire. Fire had to come from above. There's no fire beneath. No fire beneath. Fire has to come from above. Right? That's what Isaac tells his father. Dada, fire is here. Wood is here. Where is the animal? In that case, fire is there. Wood is there. But there is no animal. You have to see the permutations and the combinations in different formats in the Bible. In this case, the, anim- the fire is there, the wood is there, there is no sacrificial animal when they are going up to Mount Moriah. In this case, you have everything. There is an order, the altar, the fire, the wood, the animal. On Mount Carmel, it is different. You have the altar, you have the wood, you have the animal, you have to wait for fire. So you have to read your situation in life and accordingly, the Holy Spirit will minister to you. In some cases, God will say, fuel is there. Wood is there. Animal, uh, fire is there. But you haven't surrendered yourself. You haven't surrendered yourself. There's no animal to offer. You are the one I'm waiting for. Offer yourself as a living sacrifice. Lord, what's wrong, Lord? The church is so nice. The Lord, worship is great. Prayer is great. Word is great. That's the fuel. And there is fire too. But Lord, what's the problem? Problem is God says, you have never surrendered. You've been a part of the church for years, but you have never surrendered. You never offered yourself on the altar. There's no animal. Okay, so let God speak to each one as the spirit. I'm just giving you different, different combination in the Bible, how the sacrifice works. Okay. 
So Leviticus chapter 6, how do you keep it going, the fuel? Okay. First we'll go to the fuel part. Yeah. Chapter 6 and verse 12. And the fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it, shall not be put out, and the priest shall burn wood on it every morning. See the, see the order God is bringing. He says, you know what? You need to lay wood on in the morning. In the morning. There's a time. I, I'm, I'm now I do not know how to talk because people are caught in all kinds of time zones. Not time zones. Work. Where you work at night, sleep during the day, work during the day, sleep during the night. But we are looking at God's word. Psalm 63 verse 1. Whenever your day begins. Whenever your day begins. 63 verse 1. Whichever format. Okay. Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. Now when it will happen? It will happen the first day when you wake up and don't go for your phone and go for God. I'm talking to believers. That's when it will happen. Because what happens with most people is that when they wake up, I also go to my phone, I take the daily readings and send it off. But first thing they're looking at the message is what has man spoken to me before what has God to speak to me? They already put commandment two over commandment one. Yet God said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Every little thing matters when you are going up. Like I said, you are running in a school race or a college race and the Olympics are three absolutely different. Olympics, even the length of your hair matters. The weight of your shoes matters. Everything is custom made to see that there is absolutely no resistance to the wind. And Jesus made it very clear the Holy Spirit is wind. He blows where he pleases. He takes you where he pleases. There should be absolutely no resistance to the Holy Spirit if you want to go forward. And only he will tell you what resists him. Because this is spiritual. Early will I seek you. Seek you. And this is where people get blocked. And people don't even realize one little thing has blocked them. They say, Lord, but I prayed for half an hour in the morning. But he says, who do you start with? You didn't start with me. You started with man. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your children you're looking for. Did my children text? Did my friends text? What about last before I went to sleep? I posted. That was their evening sacrifice. Posted on Facebook. How many responses did I get in the morning? That's what you look for in the morning. And you don't realize you've been stuck there. You've been stuck there. What the psalmist says? This is the king. <laughs> Early will I seek you. Why do I seek you? No. Why do you seek it? No. Because you like everybody knows, no like. Why do we call the morning meal breakfast? Because that's the longest gap. Usually, old days people ate by six in the evening. Or even today, Western world they eat a very early meal by evening. They have finished dinner because light sunset they ate. You wake up in the morning. At least twelve hours have passed by between your breakfast, your dinner, your supper, and your breakfast. It was called breakfast. So everyone is actually really hungry, if you follow that format in the old days, hungry for breakfast. Hungry, thirsty for your first drink because 12 hours your body has been starved. Not so much for lunch or supper. 
He's using the same format over here. He says, my soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dirt. He says, when I'm growing up, getting up in the morning, you know, I feel the hunger and the thirst in my body. In the same way, my soul is thirsty for you because I took a 12-hour break from you. Or eight-hour break from you, whatever you slept. I'm thirsty for you. Early will I seek you. When I was conscious, I was always conscious about you. Let us say you woke up at 6 in the morning and 6 to 10 in the night. I was conscious about you through it all. Then I went to sleep and I woke up. My first thought in my mind is, Lord, I missed you so much. I missed you so much. I missed you so much, Lord. I come back. Come back. That's what he's talking about. Only will I seek you. Just think about today's daily reading. What a daily reading today. What a daily reading from China. What a daily reading. A man in the prison volunteers to work in the area prison, which is to take the people, the prisoners refuse their excrement. He says, I can, I don't. Nobody wants to go there. You know, it's, it's like you will collapse under that strain, the stink. He says, can I do it? And he has to carry it to a field over there. And he, he, why did he choose that? Because he said, that's one place and trees won't watch. They won't come anywhere so that I can sing loudly and praise my God. What a choice. You think that man, when he stands before God, will stand on par with the grades? God will say, you know that man? Early in the morning, he chose to worship me. And he chose the worst situation so he could be alone with me. Because any other place he couldn't be able to sing, they would beat him. So he chose that place. What a man. Our times. (laughs) We talk about the greats from the Old Testament and New Testament. We are talking about a Paul of our times. Right? He's also in bounds, chains, spiritually speaking, and he's singing. No earth came, released him. No power of God came and set him free, but he's still singing. You know, one of the things when you are in that kind of, like, environment, the last thing you want to is that you hold your breath. You want to breathe as little as possible. But the problem is when you are singing, you are breathing as much as possible. To those who are hearing online, I'll send you in the evening, I'll send you the today's morning's daily reading. So early in the morning I will seek you. We have to, we have to get these fundamentals right. Before we can practice. Because we'll always wonder, Lord, what's wrong, Lord? Something is wrong, Lord. I know something is wrong. Something is wrong, Lord. And today God will tell you, this is it. But I woke up in the morning. He said, you did, but you sought man first and not me. Man first and not me. Early in the morning. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. After an excruciatingly tiring day of ministry. Jesus Christ. This is Jesus. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight. I don't know how he married. He had some stamina. I'm telling you, we are knocked out when he have a day of ministry like that. Listen, a long while before daylight, he went out, departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. This is Jesus. The psalmist writes, early in the morning I have sought you. Early in the morning God is proving it to us. My son seeks me. Look at him. Is seeking me. Early in the morning. That's how you keep the fire going. Early in the morning. That's fuel. 
your prayer life. That's fear. That's how you keep. It's the discipline you never change. It's not that people don't wake up in the morning and pray. It's not that people do not wake up in the morning and see God. The issue is they don't see God first. Something takes their attention. And the devil is waiting. But the devil knows scriptures so well. They understand God's way so much. So much. Okay. So much. So much. That's how relationships, all relationships are based on that. You know, when you're married, a husband will immediately know the wife. Husband is first or something else is first. The wife also knows. It's not the amount of work you do. <laughs> it's not the amount of work you do. And most men don't want work. And most women also don't want work. They want to be put first in life. That's why they are looking for. And if you don't put your spouse first in your life, it doesn't matter how efficient spouse you are. It wouldn't matter to that man or to that woman. It wouldn't matter. Because that's how God, what he called, uh, made us. We are made in his image for relationship. Made in his image for relationship. That's how we have it. And we have to come back to that. And if you don't come back to that, we'll miss our rewards, okay? Not our salvation. Thank God our salvation is because God put us first. For God so loved the world. He used to tell Matulika Holder and says, I love you so much. Then I remember God also probably looked at us. As a whole world, he put our face and says, I love you so much. I'm going to give you my son to die for you. You don't understand why God expects us to love him that way because you need to know what he did because he loved us. And when you look at the cross, you will realize that I cannot hold anything back. If I do hold anything back, I cannot justify my response to his love. Nothing back. So our prayer. Our prayer. Isaiah 50, verse 4 and 5. The second fear. The Lord has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to whom who is weary. Leave that aside. That he happened later. But he awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. What is your response to the word of God? How do you handle this? The word of God. Okay. One is prayer. Prayer is where primarily in a normal man's life. Prayer is when you converse with God. And word is where God converses with you. These two go together, hand by hand. The word and prayer, word and prayer goes together. You speak to God, God speaks to you. God speaks to you, you speak to God. God says, how does this two go in your relationship? Right? That is communication, right? You speak to your spouse, your spouse speaks to you. You speak to your child, your child speaks to you. Hmm? Right? Think about it. No? Like, I, like I always use the example. No? We have LHF. Special needs home. What is the the what is the uh, nature of that home? The children give you a lot of peace, but no joy, no joy, because they cannot speak. They cannot speak. But the few of them who were there, who were normal, who could speak, they kept you on your toes, right? And when they could talk, they could. I mean, you could respond to them respond to them. So you need to realize that 
there is joy. And that joy comes from conversation. There's two people, and there is prayer, and there is word. There is word, and there is prayer. And God says, you know, the Lord has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn. What does it mean? He spoke to me. He opened my ear. He spoke. I heard his voice. And you know what? Uh, I didn't run away. I didn't run away. When my kids were small, I used to tell them sometimes, you know what? Tomorrow you are not going to school. You are not going to school. Call up that guy and say, don't come to pick my kid. I will don't have to come. You know why? Because I said, I want you for myself. Doesn't matter if you miss one day school. World is not going to fall down. Just stay with me. We'll just spend the whole day together. That's not us. For us who wait for vacations, your child has to go to gold. Saraswati Puja has to continue. <coughs> that that fire should never go down. <laughs> These things shouldn't bother us. One of the things which I fundamentally knew is that teach your children to read. If you can control your reading, they what they read and teach their children to read. You don't have to depend so much on schools. You send your child to school because the government says so. Otherwise, I wouldn't send them to school. I can teach them better than any school can. Basically, teach them to read, understand concepts. That is what education is. What does our children do? Mug and then write. And they have no idea what they are writing. I used to get so irritated in my classroom, like when the exam is coming, teachers are all, students are all, sir, notes, sir, notes, notes. I said, why do you need notes? No, that sir gave that sir. I said, go get it from there. They all want notes. I said, I have texted you. I have given you everything that I know. Why do you need notes? Why do you need notes? Because I, that's the way I came up. When I was in England, in the, in the classroom, everybody is taking notes. And the teacher looks and says, they used to call me son. Why are you not taking notes? I said, sir, I don't need it. And he felt so offended. The first time he was offended, until he took my, he didn't know, your numbers. No, then he was looking at my number and said, whose answer script is this? I said, mine. He looked, okay, sit down. He said, do you have tuition? I said, no, I have no tuition. Because my answer script was always original. You looked at my answer script in English, you knew I wrote it. It was not from somebody, some other man's notes. And this is our problem. <laughs> our problem. We put such a value on education, which is basically notes. Well, God is the one. I mean, think about it. No, God can really speak to you. Really speak to you. You open my eyes, ears. That is true education, true knowledge. True knowledge. Think about it. Honestly, think about it. Imagine you're working for, let us say, Amazon or Google, but you are a, you're a devout person. You are sitting there and you're working and God is speaking to you. God is speaking to you. God is speaking to you. And then your spouse comes and says, hey, you got only, you're late today. You haven't, even, you haven't even got ready. You have to go for your work. Would you turn and tell your wife, can you just text my, uh, my boss and say, I'm taking leave today. I'm not coming to work. Why? Because you're hearing. I'm not going to stop this. It's more important than my job. When you do stuff like that, God notices. God notices. God, I'll show you where God notices these things. 
30 mm to the book of Samuel. First Samuel chapter 17. Verse 15. And David occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. Who would leave a palace to go to the wilderness? Basically, putting in employee status is asking for two days off. Where are you going? To the wilderness. Why? When I sit with the sheep, I hear best from my God. That's the place I encountered God. Who take? Who take? It's like going from Disneyland to the desert. You are the king's palace. And what does scripture say? He goes from the palace to the wilderness. And you think God was not noticing him? God was watching this young boy. He says, you know what? This guy loves me. This guy loves me. Guy loves me. You give him a choice, he will not choose the world, he will choose the kingdom. I did not turn like one rebellious. You awakened my ear. So your prayer and your word life, your word life and your prayer life, out of that should flow everything. And the third thing, you have fuel over there, but there is oxygen, right? <laughs> Psalm 113 verse 3. From the rising of the sun to the going down, the Lord's name is to be praised. Do you notice in everywhere when Paul talks about prayer, you will always put give thanks along with it. That's your praise. How can you give thanks when you are only praying? You are praying. Basically you are asking for something and you give thanks. How can you? That's your praise because you know your father always answers. Either it's a yes, wait or no. So you always say thank you. Thank you. Thank you Lord. I will praise you Lord. I will praise you Lord. That's your oxygen. Second Samuel twenty two four and Hebrews thirteen fifteen. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so I shall be saved from my enemies. Okay, that's what we sing, right? I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. And the question is in whatever situation is there praise? And Hebrews thirteen fifteen says, Therefore by him. Let us continually offer. Who is him? It's actually the Holy Spirit. Continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. So there is an altar. There is you yourself. You have offered unto God. He has touched your ears and your lips. You speak. He speaks. You hear. There is a conversation. And then as a response always constantly from your lips is a sacrifice of praise. God says, you know what all I did in the Old Testament, the poor people had to do it every day with carrying wood and do. I have made each one of you the temple and each one of you the priest. You are the temple of God. You are a royal priesthood. What is the royal priesthood? The king and the priest. What is the king? Moses. He hears. What is priest? Aaron. He does. You are both. You hear and you do. 
increases. Do you know at individual level and at the corporate level, what I have made you, you are. This is what the symbolically the old covenant represented. And it says in the new covenant, this is how you keep the fire going. Your word, my word, I speak to you. You pray, you speak to me, and the praise goes. And it is a sacrifice of praise. So why is there a sacrifice involved? Because you are giving thanks irrespective of whether you saw the answer to your prayer or not. You are doing it by faith because of who I am. You know ultimately all prayers will be answered. In a twinkling of an eye, the corruptible will become incorruptible. In a twinkling. So ultimately you know every prayer will be answered. What was your prayer? Maranatha come Lord Jesus. Ultimately that will come. What was your prayer? Let your righteousness, that will also come. If those were your prayers, thy name, thy will, thy kingdom, it will be answered. So you can always give thanks because we have read the end of the book and we know it will come. It will come. The fire of the Holy Spirit. So you have the, you have the wood, the fuel, you have the oxygen, and now you need fire. Luke twelve forty nine. I came to send fire on the earth. Oh, how I wish it was already kindled. You know, he looked at all of them and says, you know what, I'm Peter, I like you. But when I tell you to pray, you sleep. Oh, John, you guys, you, know, you want to bring fire and consume all these people whom I want to save. I want to put fire inside, you want to put fire on them. He looked at all of them and says, you know what, I wish you were all like me. I came to send fire on the earth. Oh, I wish it were already kindled. So he's not talking about judgment per se. He's talking about a people set on fire for God. Oh, how I wish. Oh, how I wish. That fire. Mark 9, 48 and 49. So you have the wood, you have the oxygen, you need fire. And fire has to come from above. Every day you have to say, Lord, send that fire. Keep that fire burning, Lord. Let it blaze. Yeah, let us leave 48 aside, okay? Everyone will be seasoned with fire and every sacrifice, let's leave 48, a little confuse. That's a different trend of thought. Everyone will be seasoned with fire. Every sacrifice will be seasoned with. And you know that even the incense had to be salted. And every sacrifice had to be salted. So God says, you know what? I will sacrifice, I will season you with fire. Season, and I will also season you with salt. Two functions. One is to purify, the other is to preserve. I will purify you and I will preserve it. It's not I will purify you and you again go back to the rut. No, I will purify you and I will preserve you. I'll purify your father, I will preserve you. I'll purify your father and I will preserve you. Both my Holy Spirit will do. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. He says, But the fire is from above. Fire is from above. These are personal convictions. These are personally longed for and asked for. So the question is, how do you keep the fire going? You look at fundamental principles and go back, go back. It's about relationships. I need fuel. I need oxygen. And I need fire from above. Man's fire will not sustain this. But that's where a lot of people try to sustain with, with like flogging. And after some time it dies. It does not work. It does not work. Next thing you need to do to sustain is a God-ordained ways. Hebrews 10 verse 29 and 25.
not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. See? Day is approaching closer. He says there is a third, there's another way which you maintain the fire. It's the fire of fellowship of saints. Okay, you know that when we light a fire, we put so many logs together and it blazes. You just, all you have to do is take one log out. It will burn for a little while and then it will start going down. And before you know it is red, then it will let it becomes ash over there and it dies off. You know why it died? Because it stopped fellowshiping with the others. Stop fellowshiping with the others. That's why it died. And you always look at people who cut away from the church. They will die fast. Very fast they will die. They will die fast. But these are fundamental principles which God has ordained. Fundamental. All I have to do to finish this finger off is tie it in so tightly that blood doesn't flow. It will stay there, but it will die. Whenever it's alive, because it is fellowshipping with the rest of the body. The same blood courses through the same way. The same spirit connects each other through fellowship. The fire is kindled. The fire is kindled. And God says this is, we have to be very, very careful of. Fellowship is important. Important. Otherwise it will not work. It will not work. And we are talking about godly fellowship. We are not talking about carnal. Fellowship is there everywhere. And the best honest fellowship is in the bar. Where people get drunk and they are honest. So fellowship is there in the football field also. It is there everywhere. In the dugout. Everywhere there is fellowship. We are not talking about that fellowship. We are talking about a fellowship that is of God. The godly people come together and they are brought together by the spirit of God with the issues of the kingdom. They are united by one cause, that is the king and the kingdom. That fellowship we are talking about, that keeps the fire going. Otherwise, you can the wrong person can come in and before you know the fire is gone. Fire is gone. No, we are not talking about that. We are not talking about that. We are talking about the fire of God. Next one to keep the fire going. Second Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6. Uh, not 4. Uh, one six, yeah, four six, four six. I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. So, what is he talking about? He's talking. He's again altar and offering. There was fire offerings, and there were wine, water, and all are offered as drink offerings. He's talking about an altar. He says, you know what? I have given my life over to God, and God took my life and gave it over for service of His people and His kingdom. A lot of people whose fire goes out is because they don't serve. They don't serve God. They don't serve God in any way, any purpose. They don't offer themselves for service. And it is important. Fellowship is important. Service is important. If you only pray and read your word and fellowship, you just become spiritually obese. All that energy has to go out in service. Has to go out in service so that you are, keep yourself spiritually fit. I gave that example on Sunday about the pastor you know, of a church. Real story. This young man comes. He was very zealous for the Lord in the beginning. And then his fire started dying down. Then he started coming once a month. Then he come for a few months. And then one day, evening, he came to the pastor and said, Pastor, can I talk to you? And he said, what happened? No. He said, what happened? You haven't noticed. Pastor, I lost my fire. 
I don't know what to do. I need time with you to talk. He says, I have a service now. I'll meet you after service. Can you do me a favor? He said, yes. He said, there's an old man down the street, one of our church members. Could you just visit him and see how he is and come back? He said, okay. To be addressed, he went. When he went and knocked the door, the old man, he opened. He raised an old man. He's blind. So he said, hello, I've come. Pastor told me to visit. He said, oh, please, please come in. Come in. They sat. And he said, then visit. is there anything I can do for you? The old man said, yes. The last person who visited me uh, read my Bible for me. Can you read my Bible? And he says, if you look at the marker where he stopped, you can start from there. Where he had stopped, he had read Romans 7. So he started reading Romans 8. By the time he finished Romans 8, his tears were flowing. And the man's eyes also were full. And then they prayed together, blessed each other, and they left. And when he came back, the pastor said, hey, come here, I've finished. Do you want to talk? He said, no. The fire has come back. I don't have to talk. I needed to serve another man for Christ. And the fire came back. It's back. And a lot of people don't realize why they are. Because they're only serving self. They're not serving, serving Christ. When you're sitting there and miserable and brooding and thinking about your problems and all, you know, you're, everybody is serving. Nobody is there. The fellow who is lying on the couch also is serving. He's serving self. There is nobody who's inactive unless you are comatose. Then you are not serving anybody. But if your brain is working, you are serving. You are serving. And God says, one of the ways I have kept you is to serve one another. In Galatians 6, 9, Paul will say this. In Hebrews 6, 10 and 12. Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if you do not lose her. Don't grow weary in this. Keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it. Steady. It's not like blaze and go. You know, there are two kinds of candles, if you have noticed. There are two kinds of candles. Have you noticed candles? You buy these candles. I think we had candles over here somewhere. One is one is tapered. No, at the top it is tapered. Like Then there is these candles which are round and flat at the top. If you look at they burn differently. This one will be a bigger flame and it will finish off fast. The other one, as it burns, you have to keep cutting the wick of both. What happens? It hollows in and it lasts a long time because even the wax that is melting is going in. This is all going out. And God says, I want you to be like this. Don't just burn off like that. A lot of people are like meteors and their service is over. You never see them again. They're burned out. burned out. But if you look at Jesus, steadily burning. Till the end. Steadily burning. The Holy Spirit doesn't want you to burn out. The Holy Spirit wants you to keep burning till the end. And that is what we are looking at Paul saying. At the end of his life, he's motivated only by God. Let's take Jesus aside because we all know about Jesus. He's motivated by God and God's love for people. So though all of Asia has abandoned him, and it looks like he's in prison. Everything is over. He's still burning. The fire hasn't gone out at all. He's still zealous. His zeal hasn't gone out at all. He's steady. You know, if you know of camping, if you know about camping and when they light fire, they put light fires and all. But some of the fathers, if you have read, what they will do is they will take a big cut log hollowed log and light the fire inside when they go to sleep because the whole night the log will burn and give out heat. 
Well, the other one you have to keep on waking up to put it inside or it will die out. So God says, what kind of fire are you? And one of the things which I look always is look for people who have sustained fire. Sustained fire. And the Bible is giving us all these illustrations. Your word life. Your prayer life. And fire has to be lit from above. It cannot be human. And your fellowship. Consistent. And your service. Consistent. And he says, you will burn. You will burn. You will burn. Remember Matthew 25 verse 7? Verse 7, if I'm right. Pardon? Yeah, one second, let me look at it. Matthew 25, it's a statement they make. 25 verse. And verse, yeah, 7 and verse 8. And all those virgins arose, trimmed the lamps. And the foolish ones said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lambs are going out. Okay. The lambs, the fire was going. They looked at it and says, you know what? The fire is going. They had never sustained it consistently. Fire was going out. The other's fire wasn't going out. Fire was going. And at the last moment they are trying. Because the only thing that mattered on that day when the Lord comes is, do you have light? And light comes from fire. And what was the problem? The fire was going out. Why did the fire go out? Because they had never learned the art of sustaining it. You know? Because the, the journey of faith is not a 100 meter dash. It's a marathon. It's not just even a marathon. It is a hurdles. Marathon with hurdles. All kind of. And nobody gives interest to that. If you look at an Olympic stadium, it will be full for the 100 meter rats and hardly anybody for the other game. But this guy does not have the endurance. This guy has speed. This guy has endurance. And in the kingdom of God, you don't need speed. Only certain times you will need speed. But what you need is endurance. The question God is saying, what is the kind of your fire? Is it enduring? Does your fire endure? We are talking about fire of relationship. Is your love enduring? God's love is enduring because he does not want anybody to perish. So in spite of 2,000 years of sin and sinners, he still loves us. He's still waiting. Enduring. So we have to look at all these pictures. All these pictures and say, Lord, the answer is this. Because somebody asked uh, no, on uh, Q&A, I'm a baby, so please join me. But even for a baby, the principles... You have to, the principles are the same. Principle as the same. Like we make our little children sing songs which they understand. A three-year-old, four-year-old, so we don't tell them to sing blessed assurance. You may teach them to memorize, but they don't understand it. And they will say, if I'm happy like David, I will also sing like David sang, more love, more power. Those kinds of songs they understand. So at whatever level, the principle don't change. You have to pray. You have to have your word life. If you're starting, even if it's good news Bible, it's still fine. It's fine. Okay. You have to have that. You have to learn to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. As a practice, learn. And then suddenly you realize it really works. When I thank God through the day, it works. 
It works. Spiritually, you work. You are not feeling. See, the issue is not with problems. If issue was with problems, then none of our morning devotions matter. They should be dying in, dis- in despair and depression. So the issue is not with the problems. The issue is when the problems gets inside. Okay. The problem with the judgment during Noah's day was not the water. Water was not the problem. The problem was when water got inside. And Noah's ark was what? It kept the water outside. Okay, water outside. So judgment is coming on everybody. The issue is the judgment outside or inside. Fire is coming. Fire is coming. But the question is, when the fire comes, are you combustible? Or everything that was combustible was already burned off. So there is nothing for you to be burned off in your life. That's the question God is asking. If you allow yourself to be baptized by the fire of the Holy Spirit now and continue like that, when the fire of God's judgment comes, not only will you come through, all your works will come through. Because they've all gone through the fire. Because then you realize all these works were done by God and not by you, not by flesh. Not by flesh. Ask this question, did Jesus' works all come through? Every bit came through. Every bit came through because everything was done by God, for God and through God. Though he came in the flesh, everything was done by the Holy Spirit through him. So all his works came through. That's all God is asking. The two works of the Holy Spirit, our service, but fire has to be there. Without fire, it's not going to happen. No, it's not going to happen. No. You won't look at the other two. You look at it the next time. How you bring the fire back, which is lost, you know, different ways in how we you. But this is the, this is the, what you call the six formats which God has given you. The word, prayer, fire has to be from above. Don't try man's prayer, man's fire. Man's fire won't work. The whole world is lit by man's fire. It's burning up societies. Burning up societies. All these movements are lit by fire. And there is, there is fire from above and there is fire from below. Okay. Whenever the devil sees a fire that is not lit by God, he joins it. He joins it. Immediately he joins it. You will always see the result of it. It's not peace, it is chaos. And there is always death and destruction. That's what happened to BLA movement. The devil joined the movement. And all you have is death and destruction. Death and destruction. Every movement you will see, there is death and destruction. And behind it there is a fire. There is a fire. But it is flesh and the devil coming through. But there is a different thing. That's the spirit of God and your spirit coming together. And this is fire. And that fire is what we are talking about. That doesn't destroy. It destroys the shaft in you, your flesh. And all the ideas in you is burned away. All your ideas are burned away. That's what the Bible is talking about. We have to deal with both. And you have offered yourself as a living sacrifice for that purpose. And out of it proceeds a service. The service is of God. The strength is of God. The gift is of God. And the glory also belongs to God. This is the format God has put. So even the young ones we are talking about, simply start this. Whenever you wake up, Keep on changing the timing. Keep on making it earlier and earlier. And I'll tell you, you put your alarm 
and you tell the Holy Spirit, I want to wake up in the morning, you will see you will always wake up before the alarm. And give him first place. Go to your secluded place, wherever it is, you have one room, one corner empty, go over there, spend time with him. Don't go to Facebook, don't go to social media, don't go to anywhere, any of those places. Just go to him. Sit with him. Sit with him. Put him first. Show him little by little, Lord, I, I heard this fundamental principle and I have free will to choose. I choose life. You are my life. I choose life. You are my life. That's what we say, no? <laughs> Try telling it to God. You won't be disappointed. You are my life. No? Do it. And see what happens. Give that place to God in your life, in your prayer life, in your word life. In your praise and try praising God. Okay, we have prayed enough, complained enough of all our prayers. Just thank God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. At the end of the day, another day, August 18th. One more day you have given. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. And then say, Lord, I'll choose fellowship. There is fellowship in the world. There is fellowship in the kingdom. Any day, Lord, I will choose fellowship in the kingdom. I will choose to be among your people. I'll go to the world when you sent me. But I choose to fellowship with your people. So that's how I sustain myself. That his fire, all this fire comes together, it becomes a blaze. Right? And Lord, I am there to serve you. I will not grow weary. I'll keep serving Lord. Like Paul, I want to end my life like Paul. I want to end my life Jesus. On the cross also still serving. The Holy Spirit is working. See, the Holy Spirit can work through a surrendered man in any situation. Any situation. And Jesus is surrendered even on the cross excruciating pain. And he, before he dies, he still managed to get one man inside. Still managed to get one man inside. And it's simply because of his composure in the midst of pain. <coughs> Remember, they were all shouting and throwing and abusing insults. And he looked, they listen, look at this man. He's so calm, so quiet and still blessing people. In the midst. The pain is the same. All three are going through the same pain. Three people may be going through the same pain in life. How is your reaction? This man is hanging. This man is hanging. This man in the middle is also hanging. But look at the man in the middle. There's no difference between the pain. Everybody's hands are crucified. Everybody's nails, feet are pierced. But the difference is the man. What is inside coming out? What's inside coming out? And his inside has been absolutely sanctified and pure, kept pure by the Spirit of God. So what comes out is mercy and grace. Absolute. And they saw that. One man said, you know what, Lord? I believe. I believe in your kingdom. That's what happened 2,000 years of history, even in these Chinese prisons and all. Ultimately, after some time, the prison guards realized there is something different about this man. How, or this woman, how they are reacting under this unbelievable torture. It is the mercy. They said, we want to know your God. You know, the service never ended. The service, the life of Christ is flowing out. That's what God is talking about. This is only done by the Spirit of God. So never ever negate the Spirit of God and never close your ears to His voice. He will take us through this minefield. And when we come on to the other side, we should be like Daniel's three friends. They came through the fire. Not even the smell of smoke upon them. Pictures from the Old Testament of the new covenant overcomers. They came out of the fire. And you look at that. What happened? The ropes, no smoke, no suit, no cinch, nothing. What is the difference? 
Only one difference. When they were thrown in, they were bound. When they came out, the ropes had burned. When you were sent in, you were bound in the flesh. When you came out through the fire of the Holy Spirit, you are free. Everything that was not of God was completely burnt off in this life and you reached there to the fullness of your glory. Reserved by God for you. That's the pictures in the Bible. And that's what we are looking at. That's what we are aiming at. And if you don't look at it, keep your eyes down, we'll start sinking. Amen? Shall we look to the Lord? Father, we just come to you, Lord. We just thank you. We just praise you. We just worship you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Help us, Lord, through your spirit to hear, to believe, to obey, both to live and to walk. Your mercies are new every morning. What it means in normal terms is, Lord, every day you reset the watch for your children. You give them a fresh start. All the goof up till last evening. All the mess up till last evening. But because you are a father and we are your children, you restart the clock for each one every day and say, start. My mercies are new this morning. My grace is sufficient for you. Start all over again. My spirit is there with you and for you. Let not the fire go down. Let it burn continually. Oh, Father, help us as priests to keep feeding that fire and never let it go out, O oh Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, thank you. Come in the rest of the day into their hands and all your children around the world. They have prayed for the Holy Spirit. They have prayed for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They have prayed for gifts. I pray, Father, today there will be a tangible shift. We will pray, Lord, baptize you with your fire. That everything that is not of you in us will be burned away. We will stand there as a witness of Christ himself. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.